everyone, I'm Riyadh Akyol and this is Dignified Resilience, a podcast on fresh narratives on confronting despair, alleviating distress, and forging ahead. In this podcast, we hear from people around the globe at all stages of life and variety of industries and learn how to channel dignified resilience to survive, feed the soul to heal, and connect with others through inspiring compassionate actions and behavior. At the same time, I aim to grow a global conversation that seeks to better acknowledge different sociocultural perspectives on meaningfully weathering life's adversities and achieving well-being. Here is a noble and humane invitation for surpassing our old selves by learning about and from other people's moving forces and limitations for successfully overcoming affliction and ache. Remember, we have different lives, distinct pathways, cultures, and contexts, but we can find common ground in supporting dignified resilience anywhere. So let's go then. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Signified Resilience. I'm so excited to have the incredible British-Afghan entrepreneur Marina Khan with me today. She's been quite prolific in so many ways, and I've been so lucky and grateful that we serendipitously connected online. Um, Marina has been managing both her business, um, Avise, uh, known for beautiful ethnic Afghan jewelry collections, as well as traditional Afghan dresses, while also advancing her career as a professional psychologist as well. And she's based in London, UK. We will talk today about her entrepreneurial road and vision, her efforts to share a positive image of Afghanistan, as she focuses both on developing her business and shedding light on the talents of Afghan women through her designs and different elements of Afghan history. We'll also talk about her work with charities, her creative work and how it gets produced from start to finish, and much more. Uh, looking forward to a wonderful conversation, but uh, first of all, Hi, Marina Salams. Uh, it's so good to have you here on Dignified Resilience Podcast. Salam. How are you today? Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me today. And I've been like looking through your previous work as well. And it's just such an honor to be here and share this space with you. Uh, so just thank you so much for inviting me today. <laughs> um, you, you're welcome. And really, um, when I was preparing for this podcast and while I was browsing through your work and it made, it reminded me once again of why I started this podcast. And I was so happy that you accepted to come along because I want to bring light to so many amazing people who are working on so many amazing things out there and who might or might not get visibility um, in a way that I think these stories and their work should get it. So if in any way this brings any contribution to all the positive messages that you share, um, lucky me, and I hope that our listeners and viewers um, get some positive messages from this. So that said, let's start with actually talking about how and when did you decide to start your business? And where does the name come from? Tell us a little bit about how did that entire process of setting your own imagination yeah. execution. I, 
Yeah, let me just tell you that I did not intend to start a business. I was in sort of my last year of university. So we're looking at 2014. Um, and I was just like a normal sort of person like not really on social media even and at that time the main thing was Facebook um so I started this business as a hobby with no real intention of really starting it um I started off with rings and the, it was just a few rings that I put down on Facebook and I shot the what I what I did shoot was with my friends in the park and then I just put it on the internet and then it just blew up and then everyone was asking about where's your lookbook, where's, you know, where's your website? And I was like, huh? I was so confused because everything got sold out in a week's time. Um, so I mainly started because I couldn't find anything, any jewelry, Afghan jewellery online um, and nothing was present. And that really shocked me. Like there's no, there's nothing there um, because I was a consumer myself and I was searching and I really couldn't find anything, especially like good Afghan jewelry and that's that's sort of where my journey started from like I don't come from a business sort of background I come from a psychology background and that's how things sort of escalated and stemmed and and, and that and now I'm here today I wouldn't have even thought that I would be here today and doing an interview with you like you know it's yeah, just amazing and where does the name come from so the name comes from my brother he sort of suggested it it's called Aviza um it means pendant in Farsi um, so that's how we sort of associated everything. Um, but yeah, I'm really sort of blessed, like the whole journey. You know, when you think do things really unexpectedly and then the results are something else. Yeah. And you said you started the business with jewelry, but then you expanded into dresses as well. Was that jewelry <laughs> from the customers or you yourself? jewelry person uh, my first love is always jewelry um this whole the clothing thing all stemmed from the customers um again there wasn't any sort of like um afghan clothing line there was one um and that was in america at the time um uh, online um and other than that there was nothing really like available for people glo afghan globally as well um so that's how it all started. So I'm mainly a jewelry person. My first love was always jewelry. Uh, so I was sort of like, in a way, sort of led, like pushed towards clothing as well. Um, but I do take my time now in sort of clothing and designing clothing. It takes me a while because I have to be happy with sort of the whole uh, process and the results. So, yeah. So how does, can you, can you tell us, First, can you describe your creation process shortly for us? Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many people work in your team? Are the products produced in the UK? How does it work? Yeah, so everything is produced in Afghanistan. Uh, I have like a whole team of workers in Afghanistan. They're, they're mainly men um, because um, I've tried to recruit women, but it's been very difficult and challenging to get women um, in this line of work as well. Um, but hopefully in the future, that's something that I really, really want to push towards. Um, also, I think what... Sorry, to sorry? was it difficult to get women involved because of the social norms of... Uh, social norms and also traveling. So like, you know, getting the material, um, it's quite dangerous at times. Um, some women won't really travel alone even. So um, because we go through 
most of like not only the capital but different remote places around Afghanistan as well and, and sometimes the roads are not very safe mm-hmm. um, that's why it's difficult to recruit women as well um, and also even if I was to recruit women I would like to do for them to be in a safe sort of place mm-hmm. as a team um, that's really important for me so I am looking towards that but I, I did come across some people um, who were suggesting women but they didn't have the right intentions as well so that's one difficulty so when I'm sitting here and, and realizing from there because um, I want all the sort of money to go towards the women rather than the in-between people taking it for themselves um, and that's one of the difficulties um, so I would like to support further women and really use you know the craft friendship to also for, for to give them a chance as well at the end of the day how has the pandemic impacted your business oh yeah the pandemic so I had to stop in between uh because my workers safety were important um one of them actually got covid and I was really really worried so with my workers I treat them like a family and they're so respectful as well. And I've sat down and eaten with them. I've traveled, you know, a bit with them. And they really, really know me really, really well. And um, for them, it's for me, actually, at the end of the day, it's really important that their well-being is also looked after. Like, I don't want them to be working during COVID and, like, sort of producing. So, again, we have a lockdown. Um, and whenever, I always keep on asking them, like, are you okay? You know, um, how are you dealing with things? Um and they don't really have access to like, you know, sanitizers and things like that. So, um, yeah, so one of them has recovered from COVID. The other one, his test came like sort of negative. So it's very important like my, that my workers feel comfortable and are, are not further exposed to COVID. Um, because obviously we have the benefit here of amazing, like sort of stabilized healthcare. Um, but there, they don't really have the sources um, and access to prominent sort of healthcare. And through your own brand, I know that you're also very active in raising awareness about many important, painful challenges and issues that Afghanistan yeah. is challenged with today. And um, I've seen while browsing through your social media of channels and platforms, uh, various campaigns that focus either domestic violence and refugees and we also know now that violent attacks in Afghanistan have surged by 50% over recent months even though um, you know the government in Kabul and the Taliban launched peace talks in September. So yeah, yeah. a little bit more about the campaigns and uh, charity campaigns that you work and are there any particular yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so when I'm producing some of my concepts, um, apart from editorials, which are mainly just fashion magazine led, I really like to dig in deep into topics which are important to women, especially um, because I feel like, you know, in the Western media, there's not much sort of Afghan led narratives. Uh, to tell the whole journey, to ha- tell the whole stories. And these are stories from people around me, mm. people really close around me. Um, yes, I've been really fortunate to live here and, and have not had that sort of exposure, um, but really people close to me have. And those are their stories, their painful journeys, and they've inspired me. And they have been such strong women and they are living their life with such strength, even though that they have experienced 
you know, brutal, brutal sort of experiences in life, which is unimaginable. And I put them on visuals. And then people sort of say, oh, my goodness, you know, that's so painful. That's so sad. But let's not forget these are real stories of real women, of so many Afghan women and not even Afghan women, like even Syrian women right now, even in other countries who are struggling with who all are affected by war. This is so relatable to so many women. And the domestic violence, as you know, that's a huge issue. Um, and that comes beyond like Afghanistan. That's like so many people are affected by domestic violence, especially now uh, be, being isolated in COVID. And that's linked to my psychology sort of side. And these are topics that I feel really passionately about. Um, and I hope, you know, a visa sort of strengthens women at the end of the day, you know, and we really focus on um, addressing these issues at the end, end of the day. Yeah. Even if we don't address them, thinking about them starting that conversation absolutely and i think um what you said is so important in terms of afghan-led conversations as well in terms of representations and one of the things that while we were preparing and chatting uh, through emails and through your own work that i was researching uh, you always stress how one of your aims also is to change the perception of the afghan women in the western media and yeah. Yeah. We all remember that in recent history, there was a war that the U.S. kind of waged over there that there was, you know, built partly on this idea of freeing Afghan women from the veil. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Them. Um, and I was, um, while I was researching, I found a couple of really good pieces that... Um, uh, writer Rafia Zakaria wrote, and I one that she wrote from 2015 in Aeon. Um, it's called Blothed, Clothes and Daggers. And I just wanted to just read a couple of um, sentences. I don't know, will it resonate exactly with how you feel? I thought it was a very good description because both here, I quote, any honest analysis of honor crimes in Afghanistan would also uh, have to begin would have to begin by acknowledging a society whose familial and institutional structures have been broken by five decades of Soviet and U.S. foreign intervention. That sort of honest analysis would also reveal that marital choice is unavailable to merely anyone, male or female, in Afghan society. It would export marriage as a means of cementing frayed communal relations in a war-torn land rather than the romantic liaison available to affluent Westerners. Finally, it could also acknowledge that the intimate violence committed by men against women in Afghanistan has hundreds of thousands of the similar situation and in, in the Western countries as well. She was trying to kind of just change the lens. The yeah. We exoticize or which we just blame the culture. Um, yeah, yeah. Right? Of, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I resonate with that. And But I also think... Um, also, Afghan men, I've, I've been trying to sort of challenge that narrative as well in between my work. I know I'm not a male sort of led designer, but and a lot of, you know, Afghan men like message me, like, please start, a, you know, our, who's going to do our piece of work as well. Um, it's also cha changing the narrative towards that as well. You know, they can be soft. They are not always represented as, you know, like violent and sort of criminals. It, it, I think it's between both genders as well. Um it's Afghan men and women who are both sort of like stigmatized with one sort of paintbrush. Um, and, that, and that's really important to sort of break. And 
finally, there's so many young voices now, so many young people, um, especially the diaspora Afghan community. Um, they're becoming more vocal. They're writing about it more. And, and, and it's so refreshing to finally see that. You know, there's a, there's, there's a different sort of wave of thought like coming in. Mm. Uh, and I feel like, you know, um, these issues are they're, they're after generation after generation, you know, prevalent after generation after generation. And, and it's also a lot of trauma that people still feel. Mm. Um, and, and then sometimes you need to sort of release that trauma, address it and sort of address it in a community sort of way. Um, so I don't like being really direct with my work. So I don't like being that obvious at times. Mm. So I do it sort of, yes, I do it through art, but I do it in sort of a lens which makes you, you can take it any different sort of direction. Um, so it is subjective. Um, but I undercover, I touch these top topics as well. And I also believe as a psychologist, you know, it's just so painful to see, you know, so many people traumatized and it's like never ending. Um, that, that is uh, something that I always, I think always through my work, I will try and address. Yeah. Um, as a Bosniak Muslim, I can um, deeply <laughs> sympathize and empathize in, in terms of that um, yeah. kind of pain and the plight of refugees as well. I think I saw one yeah. beautiful campaign I, yours that's entirely uh, huge. Yeah, yeah. That is something that I'm very strong, strong feelings towards. Um, because I went to an Afghan camp as well. I've sort of associated myself with refugees and um yeah that is that's very close uh to my sentiments. Uh, I keep on going back to that camp campaign. Um, and I realized when I go back to that campaign, I naturally write. I'm not a writer. I just start writing. Um, and I, I write uh, uh, of the journeys of that people have faced. And it's quite painful writing if you read it. It's not, it's not sort of happy. Mm. Um, but people need to hear these stories. You know, that, that this has happened. This is happening. And, and it's still happening. You wrote, um, I think, on, on your Facebook related to this campaign, how you wanted to capture the experience and process of migration that you feel we can all relate and connect with. Um, whether yeah. parents, as you said, or um, just individuals who left the country for a better future. And I, I, I want you to just tell a little bit about how you um engage uh how you raise awareness for these campaigns that you started but before that i do just want to add a couple of sentences to remind our listeners that women and children make up the majority of four million internally displaced people and all these issues yeah. of course have only worsened with the spread of covid19 but also when you mentioned pakistan um we know that UNHCR sponsored voluntary repatriation from all that I've read recently of registered yeah. refugees to their country has sharply declined this year as only 1,000 individuals have so far returned to Afghanistan from Pakistan, uh, which, by the way, Pakistan currently hosts over 1.4 million registered refugees in addition to 600,000 Afghan citizens, partners who do not enjoy the status of refugees. And uh, the UNHCR has facilitated the voluntary return of 4.4 million Afghans from Pakistan since 2002. 
And we do see as well, I read the news that there is this demand for Pakistan visas, which kind of sets off these, these stampedes in Afghanistan, which are deadly as well. So there is yeah. so much human drama and pain. Um, and I'm, I mean, you have been engaged in campaigns for helping people in these camps, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I would sort of pinpoint towards UNCHR um, that, you know, um, there's there's I've, I've seen it and witnessed it myself um like you know we ha- the kids had empty bags and they promised a school and um it, these are like basic things uh so so what has been going on there so that camp was sort of isolated for quite a long time and when i went there there was no access to water and that's embarrassing because um we went there with toys and everything thinking that they'll have the basic needs but even the basic needs are not provided. I know only now, thanks to, you know, my team's efforts and the people around me, UNCRHR are picking things up now. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder, why did it take such a long time for us to raise it again and again for this to be picked up? Um, and the initiative that I've been working on is for the school. Um, yes, but, you know, that's something that you guys should be providing. Um, and also, the thing is that I, what I want for that camp is them to be stabilised enough um, that they can actually provide for themselves, like have a basic education, have their basic needs met, mm. so their children can sort of inter- integrate within society. And that's what they want as well. Mm. Um, they, they wrote such a painful sort of letter, you know, is that we don't want to be, this is something so, this was difficult for me to digest, like, we don't want to be seen as alien. We, we want to have our rights. And we just want to provide a living for our kids. And that within itself is such a strong statement. And, and it's, it, you know, it's not, I would say it's not like, it, 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 it's both ways. It's running from both ways. No one really cares, to be honest. And that's what, what it falls down to. But I, I'm, I'm watching now and seeing what's going on. So hopefully, you know, we can start rebuilding. I mean, it it took a bit of time, but you know, at least I guess it's something right now at present. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I think I would be even if UNCHR is there, I'd still be associated with them. That doesn't really bother me um, because I have like my own sort of initiatives that I really want to work on, um, especially with them and. I can't rely on UNCHR to actually, you know, I don't know if they're going to be there or not there. I don't know. It's unpredictable at times. And there are so many. And I don't know. I know for me as a designer, this puts me in in, in, in different in a, in a different pitch and light. And I know um, a lot of people are, you know, go towards UN, appreciated for their efforts towards charity. But I can't sit here and deny what is the truth. Um, I can't sit here and, and claim that, you know, at that time, UNCHR were active and these kids had a school and everything was fine. I can't brush over that uh, because at some, at some point I will have to answer those kids that didn't get it. Like, you know, I feel like if we've seen something like that, it's our responsibility as well. You can either leave and forget about it or you can do something and try. You always have two options when you, when you see these sort of things. 
Yeah, and you have mentioned, we have mentioned a couple of campaigns that you have worked on in terms of domestic violence and refugees. And one also truly memorable one among those that I've seen um, in terms of your work was the diversity series. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that and that about... <laughs> yeah. So if, so if I tell you about my process of how I actually get into like, inspiration and everything it sometimes starts with frustration <laughs> frustration all the good things but a lot of frustration sometimes like you know why are people saying all these things um because it's tribal racism that i came across online a lot like you're from this tribe you're not good enough you're from this tribe you're not good enough uh, and the whole, unfortunately, Sunishia uh, thing as well, that's quite complex as well at times. Um, and then there's this tribal uh, sort of racism, you're not better than us, you're from this tribe, da, da 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 And that really aggravated me. And I was just like, I'm so tired of hearing all of this. And that's how that stemmed. I wanted to show like equality, I wanted to show like beauty, and I wanted to show like how, you know, all of the tribes are, the same they're similar they have their own they're different but then all one in unity um but that was really nice because um some of the tribes um some of the countries as well like Tajikistan and Uzbekistan and Turkmen like they also came towards my page as well and they could resonate with the different looks as well uh so 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 it was nice you know so and everyone sort of loved that and you need to think why did you actually love it like even the people who were like you know against it at first what what made you love it you know at the at the end of the day yes it's very beautiful and it was very appealing but the bigger message behind that is unity <laughs> and that kind of also fits with that hundred years of beauty endeavor that you did yeah tell us a little bit more about it um and your so, yeah yeah this is a game well, I wouldn't say frustration. I would say like um, representation. Like there was not much. Um, and I, I was a big fan of. I think I don't know if you know that the cut, the cut videos. That they used to do hundred years of beauty. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. They do series of like different countries, um, and they go through the hundred years of beauty and the different looks. And then I was just like sitting one day, and I was like, "There's not really one for Afghanistan," you know. And I'm not sure if they're going to make one. So <laughs> I'd rather get on it. Right. And, Let me change that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So um, that's how I came across that. It was like one of my first videos I ever made. And that just blew out everywhere. And some people actually thought it's from the official page. And it's been shared so much that people no longer realise that I made that video. But how um, who might not know those cut videos and viewers, what is it actually representing? I know, but maybe they haven't Yeah, yeah. So that the cut videos represent like different countries and how their looks got changed by like politics, history, um, and like women rights and things like that. That's what they touch on. Uh for Afghanistan it was kind of difficult to be honest after a certain period because um uh, when, when the Taliban came in, you know, there was just no sort of fashion and a decline of that. So I didn't really know what to do during those stages. Um, but then um, I kind of took it in an artistic sense. So when the American invasion, invasion happened, just made a 
wear the colours of the American flag and sort of like represent sadness. Um, and then we covered the Soviet Union sort of era as well. And she had a gun. Um, and, and, and a lot of people were like, what is going on? Like, what does this represent? But it actually represents history, but it's done in a really artistic way. Uh, because like other cultures and countries, I mean, I couldn't do the whole fashion for every century. So I had to just think about it in a more inventive way and just follow sort of the politics sort of situation, which was, which was tricky to do. It was difficult, to be honest. I, thanks to that, I found out, was it Queen Sumeya? Or oh, no, Surya, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yes. Tell us about Queen Surya. Just uh, when was she? She was the the first, um, like the first Afghan like woman, like queen. Um, and from what I know, she was very strong and powerful, and she's very much respected and loved by Afghans. Uh, she's very, she's an iconic figure, and that's why I chose to cover her um, during like every century. And how was the response to that campaign, Marina? Uh, so, like, when people sh- sh- uh, saw, like, the burqa, the shadri, some people were very angry. Mm. They were like, what are you trying to represent? Like, why are you showing this? And, and I, to be honest, I sort of felt sympathy for them because it sort of triggered emotions, you know, uh, when women were sort of, like, force-led to wear the shadri. And, yeah, some people might wear it from choice. That's their option. Um but some people, some women were sort of forced to wear it. And that's very triggering to see that and represented like that. Um, and then other people uh, sort of said, why is she crying with an American flag? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I can't explain these things to you. You just have to read up on history. Um, and the last look I did was on Coachella. And people were like, why are you demonstrating how what people have like took on Coachella and how they've stolen our culture. I was like, no, I'm trying to represent how and now it's being utilized. And this is a fact. And how Afghan jewelry is like in, but it's in without really being known it's Afghan, but just like boho, hippie, trendy, and Coachella. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, so I, I went through like, every sort of decade it was sort of hard um but I plan at some point I will go back to these diversity series these hundred years of beauty because they're very sort of um they're interesting to do yeah they're absolutely powerful they're um you you as as much as it's snippets uh, if done in the right way it's a very potent way of um kind of reflecting the changes and as you mentioned as well clothing styles which have been influenced by social norms, but also politics and um, different uh, historic eras as well. Um, now that you mentioned, now that we actually talked a little bit about reactions, who do you think are your biggest fans or supporters? The majority of them come, uh, from UK or Europe, uh, or is it? Um, so it's kind of very, very widespread now. Um, so my, my main fans, are obviously, you know, Afghans, and they very relate to it. You know, um, they feel a feeling of home. Um, even Afghans in Afghanistan, you know, they, they show a lot of love and appreciation. Um, other than that, there's a lot of um, uh, people from Iran in tuned uh, to my work, um, and also Pakistan. Uh, they, they just some of them affiliate with the culture um, because you know they're close to the border. And um, 
but um, also some people in Europe as well. Um, I had some influx of like Russian people as well. So it, it, it's always fluctuating, you know, in between all these different people from different countries. And um, especially, you know, the European market, they're always like, wow, we didn't know this, you know. And then they're sort of like surprised, you know, that this is being sort of provided and this is a different outlook on Afghanistan. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it's challenging at times to have that international foot at times and do editorials. Uh, you have to work extra hard, obviously, uh, and, and everything has to be sort of synchronized in a way that fits the European market. So I'm always sort of, when I'm doing editorials, I'm always between traditional and like Western. So I, I split into two sides. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope so that, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I hope that the listeners from United States might also now, you know, check out your work and that you will expand the market in terms of your customers. And I say this not just <laughs> thank you. Appreciate your business, but also because I know and I noticed that um, many times you put a certain percentage of the profits directly for the campaign for the refugee camp in Afghanistan or whatever. So, yeah. So uh, for, for, for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, sometimes I don't function as a business. I mean, I, 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 I sometimes I mainly function as an artist. Uh, so I mainly sometimes just create for me. First, I create for myself to actually my vision, my feeling um, and, and my sort of point of view. Yeah. And then if, if everyone else relates in it, relates to it that's amazing and I know some people won't always relate to it or some people won't understand it mm-hmm. um because what it is when you're on like on a social media figure there will always be people that you know um that don't resonate with it that question it um and then you get the other side that will appreciate it so you, you first start with yourself making yourself you know feel like okay I've created something I'm content with that and now I'm ready to sort of launch it mm. Yeah. Are you connected with other creatives with background or basis, um, Afghan creators in terms of fashion designers or? Um, not really, because there's not that many. I, I've seen like uh, two, but they're in different sort of ones. I think one's in Germany and the other one's in the Bay. I'm not really um, connected with them because how they pitch themselves is very different uh, from how I pitch myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I cover sort of things that you know maybe most designers won't cover. Uh, I go into things that most designers won't talk about. Uh, so they might just utilize their page just for commercial use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I utilize my page for Afghans, Afghan representation, um, charity-led work, covering those deep sort of uncomfortable topics at times. And, and sometimes you know a visa is just also me as well uh it's just combined in so many different ways uh and and that's how i like my space to be Mm -hmm. and we did mention a little bit of it here and there but i wanted to ask you when you face criticism or actually criticism is normal like you mentioned and there will always be people who will just not understand or will not be aligned with with our visions but do you face also bullying uh, which i'm sure you as a psychologist kind of yeah 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 so um yeah i i have actually faced bullying and i've also faced threats from 
Taliban and and things like that. So um and they, and that's actually prevented me from traveling further at times uh, or where I need to be um, because I don't want to like risk people around me. And and I know a lot of people say you know come to Afghanistan, but I I, I don't know when I will be able to because um when you're getting this sort of you know feedback at times that it's very challenging, and 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 some people don't realize the sort of position I am in at times. Sometimes my emails are quite full, you know, and sometimes they are quite, you know, scary at times. Um, and, and there's so many other, I know, Afghan women uh, and women um, who put themselves at risk, but still are presenting, uh, still doing, um, especially Afghan journalists on ground level. Um, they're amazing. And I have some contacts with them and, and that's really sweet. And they do message me. Um, but where I'm standing today, I sometimes have to think about. Sometimes I don't feel like standing in that position, or sometimes I don't feel I'm not. I don't love interviews, you know. Um, but then I think about no, who am I actually doing it for? I'm doing it for those women at the end of the day. So I kind of, you know, shut down my feelings and then think about the bigger picture. The bigger picture is beyond me. It's it's not, it's not about me, and that's what keeps on. That, that's what keeps me going and that's that I think tackles the bullying and all those horrible things that I get um, because there's something more important than me and that's giving a voice to Afghan women at the end of the day and also um, enabling them to live their dreams live their purpose and 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 even if it's like if they see me like this or even if it's just one interview, and if that gives them hope, then that means everything to me. Yeah. My next question. So was, it's not even about the business. Do, do, do you get it? Like it's not even about the business sometimes. My next question was going to be, how do you cultivate your resilience? <laughs> but I think you partly answered to it right now. That um, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's bigger than us as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So the you know, if you see the messages that I get from women, like literally, I want to start a business. I followed your sort of pathway. I'm trying this. Thank you. And and I'm and you know, because we get so cooped up in our life and doing what we're doing, because I love what I'm doing. But then I realize, wow, they're really related to that. You know, because I'm always in my little bubble. And I don't, sometimes I don't really think about like people will be relating to my work like that. Mm. And I'm just like, wow, really? Did it mean that much yeah. to you? And, and, and that, and hearing that, I hold on to that. And, and, and that's something, you know, um, makes me look past all, you know, my uncomf- being uncomfortable like on interviews or anything like that and then there's a point that I was like ah it's okay because I'm doing it for them at the end of the day so I I can yeah. totally relate to that idea of uh, feedback as the catalyst for producing more as an encouragement uh, when I get 
uh, a comment by a listener or a viewer how much they appreciate um, an episode or episodes or yeah. when I couldn't do um, because of some health reasons podcast for two weeks I got a message saying how you know from a from a woman in Brazil saying how much she liked yeah. and misses my podcast oh. and it's like oh. wow this is why I started and and, and you know it's a and getting that feedback is also important because sometimes people might appreciate it but might not say it for whatever reason. So yeah, um, yeah. So that's how, as I said, how even I was so glad how we connected. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a click. You know, a light. following. Yeah, or yeah, some mm-hmm. energy or vibe that might work out and might align with what the other person is doing in their own yeah. context in terms yeah. of vision yeah I, I think what it is it's just values isn't it you, you connect you read people's posts and then you just you know you, you sort of like that and then you just get drawn to that and and that that's what it is um for, for me at the end of the day it's really important that we kind of see so there's me and then, then I it's, it's nice to see more women doing what I'm doing it's nice and I, I I would always be really supportive I would never like I want women to like come together so we're like all picking each other up because especially Afghan women there's so there's only a few um out there I I, I don't know that many I only know a few and blogger bloggers or, or designers um but it's really important that you know we help others along the way as well because we were there at one point as well. For me, it's like my journey is really it's very peculiar at times because I feel like I'm opening doors that I don't have anyone to look back to. Like, I don't have anyone to tell me, like, um, I've done this before. You go through that channel and this is how it works. Um, I literally, like, it's like a tunnel and there's light and then you're, like, opening these doors and you're like, okay, let's see what happens. Uh, but I hopefully what I want to do is sort of like and I'm doing my lives as well is try to share that so when they are going through that they already have that insight Uh, because I feel like I'm I'm touching spaces that haven't been touched before and I'm like who do I look back to and um, I think from like other cultures they have that benefit they have like someone on like a higher level or, or someone who's been through that journey that they can look back to. Um, because I was like the first sort of jewelry brand at the time, um, there was nothing around. Um, so it's kind of like, again, breaking barriers, breaking bar- barriers, representation. It just falls down to that again. Um, and let's, uh, let's, of course, not forget that you're a psychologist yeah. by profession. <laughs> Yeah. very hard to balance that work with Avisa. So tell us a bit yeah. about your focus um, as a psychologist. Um, mm. You did mention mm. a little bit earlier on, but how does that, what's the focus of your work in that uh, area of your life and how do you balance uh, it with these professional uh, entrepreneurial time requirements yeah. that so yeah 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 so psychology and a visa we keep very separate because um there is some clients like expecting a psychology session and I'm like we can't do this online this is totally separate you know you need to go to a psychologist in your area we're not doing online sessions this is not something that I'll provide through my space or page 
um, it's it, it's very it, it's challenging to keep that balance, but you have to be super organized. Um, but then also reflect as well. You have you need that space to actually sort of um, manage things as well. You can't keep on going and going. So I in between I go off or I have that break uh, because it's important for me to uh, slow down as well because uh, everything's very very sort of fast paced. Mm-hmm. And and it and it does get really difficult at times. Um, and has the pandemic brought on more burden in terms of that of more work um, as a psychologist? I mean, um, yeah. So there's we we it's 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 manic right now. Uh, and the lockdown happens again. It's like more patients, more isolated. Uh, you're more isolated, and there's more of a risk and. We're just everywhere, basically, and there's limited psychologists at the po- at this present moment. And um, yes, a visa is my you know love, and it's like you know it's very special for me. Uh, but then at the end of the day, what's important for me is to help the patients as well. That's my first priority. Um, and when I think that it's kind of you know compromising that, um, I kind of tend to focus more towards like the psychology side of it uh, because people really are really struggling right now and it's a really tough time um it's it's a tough time for you know our practitioners doctors like everyone uh we're just trying our like best at the present moment with everything um but but you know and there are a lot of advices out there um, in all i mean there have been throughout the past few months since the first wave and the second wave or the first wave never ended in some parts of the world but um as a psychologist what would you kind of like talk advices during lockdowns uh, in terms of just cultivating that mental health in um cultivate sanity um i mean yeah for many people here we talked about afghans um i'm bosniak a lot of people have the experience have experiences of uh isolation in much horrific circumstances through sieges through being forced to stay in the basements for years even um Mm -hmm. they can't go out out in it's it's very difficult at the moment because for some people it's like bringing back trauma uh and sort of psychotic symptoms as well we're seeing a lot of that and a lot of anxiety led issues and some people are presenting when they haven't presented before due to the lockdown and the people that already have mental health concerns you know it's very difficult for them as well right now and um what happens is you have the lockdown and then after the lockdown, the psychologist's work gets even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just like really ongoing for us. And the caseload keeps on escalating um, further and further. Uh, but it's just about, you know, just I, I think just try and look out for people. Look out for people who want to, who are alone, who don't really have anyone. Look around you as well. It's really important to look around you. Um, especially your family and friends uh just just check up on them and also we have the benefit of these virtual calls as well that's a bonus can you imagine if we didn't have that how difficult would that be we still have that contact and i i think it's really important also to keep yourself active Mm -hmm. It, it would just really really help you um 
just to look outside, appreciate nature as well, and just take all that in. It's, it's really important right now. Uh, so contact, sort of behavioral activation, going outside, uh, reading, cooking, all these sort of things, just to engage yourself as well. Um, yes, at times there's only so many like movies that you can watch, so much Netflix you can watch. We also need to remember we're together in this. All of us are going through this together. And that's a really powerful thing within itself. Like we're all one, we're all one community. Globally, we're all going to it. We're facing it together. Yeah, absolutely. And like what you said, I think one of the most basic things that we all need to remember first is that it's okay to not be okay. And yeah. the second thing, like you said, um, it's okay and to ask for help. It's yeah. okay that we don't stigmatize um, mental health. Yeah. So, 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 so that's a massive problem, isn't it? Like, uh, that's a massive problem within itself. Like, uh, sort of Muslim communities stigmatizing mental health. That's another whole topic within itself. I like seeking help and everything. Um, and, 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 and I'm I'm glad I'm seeing a few Muslim patients coming towards me and coming up. Um, but usually it's when they're very sort of destabilized. Mm. But I wish, you know, before the destabilization, they can come to me earlier. Mm. So when you're more destabilized, when you're at that stage of, you know, you can't literally get out of bed, you literally can't function, you know, um, let, let, let's be sort of kind as like parents or let's be kind as a family to first recognize it and then sort of seek help Absolutely. through the appropriate services um don't don't let it get to that stage because then it's harder to bring you out from that sort of state as well then Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing all this um, expertise and snippets of it. I <laughs> no, I, 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 you know what? I did some self-compassion sort of workshops on my page uh, whilst COVID was going on. Um, I, I tried to do it in between. Um, sometimes it's a bit difficult to do all of this um, due to my like schedule and time frame. Uh, but like. I was working on meditation, self-compassion. Um, another thing is sort of like mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of people are feeling really tensed as well. So things like body scans and um, just focusing on just relaxing yourself as well. I think we're, and some people are really hard on themselves and that's another issue within itself. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so thank you again and I appreciate I encourage everybody to um, both read resources on this available online wherever and to just um, seek help and there are many services out there um, that understand and are there to provide this help so yeah, of course yeah as we um, kind of approach as we go towards the end or the last part <laughs> yeah called five sweet questions where i um, my aim is also to make the guests more approachable um beyond their okay. personal endeavors and to offer them the opportunity to hear a little bit more about your who you are um as as a as marina behind the <laughs> okay 
Uh, I do want to ask you, what are your plans for the future in terms of Avisa before I get to those five sweet questions? Oh man, I can never answer this question because I am like one of those people <laughs> that lives in the moment. <laughs> no, 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 I know, but just um, what yeah. would be your, what is your I, I, you could control I, uncontrollable? <laughs> because nothing happens. I, I'm the type of person that doesn't, you know, like my whole trajectory is like unplanned. So I barely plan that far ahead. Um, But what I would, again, you know, the same sort of goals. I feel like I've broken a lot of barriers, you know, uh, being Vogue, like guest tick, um, like BBC tick, like all all those sort of things. I've I've done it like really early on. So then I'm sitting there like, what are my sort of goals towards that? Um, I think, you know, the goal would be to see more women following my trajectory, you know, seeing more representation or whether that's Afghan women or any, you know, even Muslim women. Uh, it, it's nice to see that representation. I, I would like to see more women in the line of fashion, I guess, um, and, and cultural fashion, uh, fashion that's been lost as well. That's, that's difficult to have access to, which is no longer existent or represented. I would like to see more of that. Um, in terms of my personal goals, I think I would like to further establish things for the refugee camp. I want I want to see that like growing, expanding, doing more things. I think that's that's my goal. Like that's where my heart is. Uh, so yeah. Well, definitely, uh, I encourage everybody. And now that your markets will expand and in the United States. <laughs> listeners in Australia or wherever, Brazil. Um, I just hope that more people just get to to learn about what you do um, and to just really um, support your work. I think even sharing information about somebody we never know, you know, who might hear, who might listen now that <laughs> we talked about disadvantages and the threats and the bullying that we get through social media, but there are good sides to social media as well yeah. when used in a proper way by well-intended people. So um, that said, let's get to these five sweet questions. Uh, first question, once the current emergency or pandemic is over, um, 2020, whatever, uh, inshallah, yes. um, yeah. what, what would you still not want to forget from this era? That's a difficult question. You can get... I, I, don't, want, I don't want to forget how some people even during this pandemic were so giving Uh so um i i did like a covid charity uh when this first began and and people were so giving when literally they didn't have much or nothing Mm. and i don't and i cannot forget that toilet paper ran out (laughs) (laughs) yeah People giving <laughs> toilet paper for just a slight second. I was confused. <laughs> but now, okay. I just wanted to say that. I just found it like funny. Oh, uh, it's no, interesting. Okay. I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> then it makes the days and the like, the things that are popular within Muslim culture so much in vogue. And we're. I like, know. Fine. I know. I can't even believe that toilet paper would oh run my out. God. It's just insane. Yeah. I still went the other day and it was, it was not there. So, <laughs> again. <laughs> oh my God. That's, um, 
I, let me tell you, that's the first one I hear about the things people will not forget about the emergency, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's unforgettable and memorable. My, my brain works in a different way. <laughs> that's something that's memorable. Um, so then, second question, which of your personality traits has been the most useful? Not the best trait necessarily, uh, but the most useful. Which has been the most useful? Okay, uh, I think being a perfectionist, it's not the most amazing one, but perfectionist in the sense of like, um, this should be like that and, and bringing in structure to my work and being like getting things done accordingly. Uh, because when you're managing things, it's, it's, it's difficult and you have to have those sort of, you know, um, and, and, and that brings in like not being afraid as well. So you have to make those tough decisions at times, but it's it's been useful because then I have an eye for every detail in when in the pictures when we're like um, recording or doing behind the scenes, every detail that that helps. But it's not the most amazing one at times. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh... I'm I'm totally a perfectionist, and I have <laughs> many times of my life making my life harder. But like you say, sometimes you see that there are benefits to it as well. So it's about balance, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. So third question: When you have thirty minutes of free time, but actually free time, how do you pass that time? I watch Netflix. I literally, I literally will watch Netflix okay. and I will do nothing and I will go through the show, stream through it, get my snacks, mm-hmm. cuddle up in bed. That's my time. Okay. Okay. And that's like doing nothing. And sometimes, you know, I'd, it'd be, it'd just be like, not even an amazing show, but just watching it. It's just like, yes, <laughs> me time. This is a not a paid advertisement Netflix, but if you guys sorry Netflix <laughs> check your work out if you want to do corporate sponsorship or social yeah, if you want to make a show Netflix, yeah we can talk about it about the costumes yeah. and everything. Exactly. Okay, so fourth question, what skill or craft would you like to master? Hmm. Hmm. I, I I would um Sometimes I think I'm really kind, a bit, a bit too kind to people, and I can't say no. So I would like to master that. That's a strange one, I know. Well, I'm trying to understand where you're getting with this. That's how I'm basically. <laughs> oh, 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 you. T- oh, okay, okay. And I can't say no. Sometimes I can't say no. Get it. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. I'd like to master, you know, how to be a bit diplomatic in things, you know just not straight through sometimes so sometimes I can't really say no um I mean and sometimes I should be saying no but it's a difficult one even though I must say kind people are so underappreciated so don't lose that (laughs) that is I just labeled myself as kind that sounds a bit (laughs) Like, but I don't think I should be kind. No, no, no. Be kind. It's okay. Learn to say no. I shouldn't tell him. <laughs> no, I really think that, We should be labeling ourselves kind, guys. That's fine. <laughs> but you know what? I did read a lot of articles and it makes sense how 
we have lost that old tradition of even speaking with neighbors in the elevators and lifts and that civility that's maybe minimal and might seem trivial or like work, but how it's important for cultivating human relationship in this age of technology. So that act of kindness or just good afternoon or even good evening that sometimes one gets, yeah. I really noticed when even I walk now, I get weirded out when I say good afternoon or good night. And when that person chooses not to respond, I'm like, why? <laughs> like, I get it all. This, this is what this is what this is what I'm saying. This is what culture has sort of become. Um, like, do you know what a difference it would make to someone who's struggling with like mental health issues if you smiled at them? Exactly. Smiled, and that's just smile, and, and you don't have to say anything. Just smile. That's make that would make a ton of a difference. Um, but yeah, I've done that a few times, and then people have just looked at me weirdly, like. Yeah. So hi, you know. But you know, and they're like, "Do I know you?" <laughs> yeah, I think also. Yeah, let's not let's not forget though that there are cultural creepy people as well. Yeah. In Turkey for six years, I also know that in Russia, when you smile to somebody on the street, they will either think you're flirting with them or that you're nuts. Or <laughs> it's not recommendable that you smile to random people in trams, metros, etc. And it takes, and for people who come from different cultures, um, that might be yeah. scary or you might get super weird looks in the mildest responses. So uh, <laughs> that culture. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone, but I guess, you know, it has, um, not, don't smile at everyone, but it depends on the person. Like a, 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 a grandma like a cute grandma or like a sweet child you know like choose your I don't know choose your people but I feel that body language is more dangerous than actual verbal thing like when you say good afternoon rather than yeah. smile depending on the culture it might be uh, perceived differently but here we're just here urging for everybody to educate themselves on cultural sensitivities but to stay <laughs> now in the time of pandemic and okay so that brings me to the last question are any of your friends completely opposite to you or are most of them similar to you huh i would say my friends are very like opposite towards uh from me uh they're not really really similar in some senses and like the jokes we make they are similar uh the humor um but in terms of personality i i guess they're I think they they're, they're much softer, much much nicer. I don't know how to explain it, but they're very different than me. Some of them are very introverted. Um, I'm an introvert as well at times. It just depends. I'm like a mix of both. Uh, but yeah, most of my friends are um, they're they're different from me, and 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 it, and it just makes the conversations interesting. Um, but I guess the values are very similar and on and how we are as people because that's very important in a relationship for me uh because we also have to have the similar sort of mindset it's just personalities are a bit uh different um they wouldn't like they don't like social media they wouldn't be like presenting themselves so these are some of the differences that we have um yeah yeah i think that um those values and the bases are kind of the pillars that bind humans together but that 
personalities, like you say, absolutely uh, vary and it could still function and be uh, beneficial and enjoyable. So that said, um, this brings us, I guess, towards the end. Um, and it no, more five, no more five questions. <laughs> oh, that was, I don't know. Are you sad or happy about it? Or are you just, just like trying oh, to... I just want to carry on talking about the toilet paper content. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my husband about this now. This is the first one in the memorable one, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, but it's funny. Um, and, and it is true yeah. uh, how, much, how much drama was there. But then on the other hand, I... I I mean, we talk about this, and it, it reminds it, remind, it reminded me also about the context because it reminded me of the news from a couple of months ago as well about Venezuela, where because of totally different reasons, um, not mm-hmm. people were hoarding, and because of this lockdowns, uh, yeah. there was no access towards the basic sanitary things um, as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just um, it's good to be aware of. Um, you know, different people's sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. Please try to, because there's so much going on in the world that we can't even touch on. Yeah. But I, uh, I have had, um, I mean, I have had fun and I love to say, have I had fun because we talked about so many painful things, but I think it was a beautiful conversation and it passed very quickly. And I do want to, Thank you for your time. I know you're very busy and uh no, no, I I want to thank you for like inviting me, arranging this and like handling everything, you know. You're you're such a lovely person and you made it so I feel like I was just talking to a friend. And and that's always really, really nice to have a chat with someone that you connect with and it and it's friendly. Exactly. So it's been very pleasant and it's been lovely. So thank you. I feel the same way. And I do hope that this brings a little bit more light towards uh, the work that you do, but also the messages that you try to, you know, spread. And we talked a a lot about the conversations um, that should be led by, you know, Afghan women in this case, or Afghan people. We talked about, we talked about challenges from within um we could only mention a few but we all know there's so many and uh and about you as well and your um prolific work in so many areas and thank you for you know a very beneficial psychological advice that i think we could all use uh right now um especially during this global pandemic so i hope that listeners and viewers uh find benefit in it that as they go and check your uh, social media platform that they share your work and amplify um your you know campaigns whether no you're really 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 sweet Uh, i just want to say like i hope people keep on listening to your podcast because they're very interesting refreshing um and just like interesting conversations you know about resilience and that's really important you know just to focus on these topics have those interesting challenging you know conversations and then go into them a bit deeper um it's just refreshing thank you so it's much really nice and, uh, and i and i do want to just say because i think about this a lot and i am obviously an avid podcast listener and I listen to and i love the, this long interview format but um recently whenever i would browse this sort of this type of podcast i would be unsatisfied and maybe obviously because i'm biased towards what i'm trying to produce and create because um 
a lot of this very famous podcast kind of, I feel, um, shuffle the similar kind of very famous people who come out with the new book. And um, I don't say anything against that. Obviously, those are there, there is something to learn from that. But it always reminds me about why I started this. And look at this light and the sun coming on me like a halo. <laughs> Angel. <laughs> God, like just light praise my own podcast. Anyway, no. but I, I want to talk about the guests that I try to bring, the the people from all over the world who I try to kind of curate, you know, s- s- carefully yeah. and with the genuine care. Yeah. No, it's really sweet. It's really sweet. Oh, I, I think what we need to remember at the end of the day, we're all people at the end of the day. And, and we're just doing different things and, and and just pursuing passions at times and interests. And we're, we're all people. I mean, yeah. And we should just keep doing it. And that's what I also wanted to say. Uh, we should just keep doing yeah. it because whatever we might even envisage as results, I think that it is about doing it. And then, of course, those snippets or avalanches depends on feedback, which are encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think also one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, you know, um, for me, when I've seen my work and and created it, that that's enough. Like seeing it to light, mm-hmm. that that's just so much happiness for me. Sometimes it's not even about um, what what are people are people going to like it. I I don't even start with that mindset uh, because I know a lot of artists worry about that. And then when you start worrying about that, you won't be able to create. Because everything I create has is so organic at the end of the day, so I don't even worry about you know this this feedback. It's going to come like this if they're going to like it. I just create, and then let's just see what happens. And 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 you really need to whoever wants to go into this line of work, just start with like really sort of a pure intention at the end of the day. Exactly. And then everything just settles, you know. Ah, the light has shone. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much. And um, really, oh, thank you. you know, as I also say to all my listeners at the end of every podcast, hold tight to those you love. Um, feel free to share any feedback, share, you know, put five stars or four stars. If you want, put three, but don't put two or one. <laughs> stay tuned for more guests from all over the globe and um talk to you soon i guess so yeah um,